Hello and welcome back to the Drift Proofing Podcast. The podcast is going to help you find a little bit of meaning and direction with your life. My name is Andrew Cipriano and I am your host. This is only the second episode of my podcast today uh, and I have a guest speaker. So I'm very excited to have her on here. But if you haven't really heard of me before or you don't really know what this podcast is about, I just recommend you going to the first episode. It is literally 20 minutes long, so nothing too time consuming. And I just talk about who I am, why I'm making this podcast and what I hope that you'll be able to get out of it. Throughout this podcast, I'm going to have episodes of myself talking where I am explaining stories from my life and how they relate to psychological principles that will help you hopefully find some meaning and um, some sources of positive emotion in your life. And I'm also going to have episodes like the one today where I have people come on and talk about their life, what decisions they've made, what pivots they'd have to make in their plans throughout their life, and all sorts of things about who they are, who they want to become, and how they got here today which is really important, and I just can't seem to find enough information on these kind of topics. So with no further ado, I'm going to introduce Sarah, and I'm really, really happy you're here with me today. So thank you for listening, and enjoy. All right, so welcome back, everyone. Thank you very much for listening and your time. Um, This is Andrew, and this is the Drift Proof Podcast. So I just wanted to kind of refresh again. This podcast is just a kind of a psychology podcast, but also going to help you figure out where you're aiming in life, what you want to get out of life, and help you better get there. Um, So today, I'm very excited. I have a guest speaker on. She's my first guest speaker for this podcast, but I plan to have a lot of them. And the whole reason I'm having guest speakers is to figure out what they're doing and talk more on a deep psychological level about where they're going and how, how they're getting there and their personal journeys. So I plan on having people from all kinds of different backgrounds, eventually different ages, but right now I'm in my mid-20s, so probably a lot of the people that are going to be on there are going to be around that age, Um, and Sarah's in her mid-20s, and I'm just going to introduce her in, so welcome, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here today. This is so exciting. Yep. So I just want to go and start off really fast, kind of give some background information about how we know each other. Yeah. So we met in high school, and we were in a history class together. Um. I remember we had a really similar sense of humor, so we clicked really close as friends. Um, But it wasn't until after high school that we started talking about more serious stuff, such as spirituality or life goals, the future, stuff that people our age weren't really talking as much about. And this was right out of high school, so we were still pretty young, and it wasn't exactly the the normal thing for kids our age to be really discussing in detail, but we just had bigger viewpoints in our lives. Yep. So we had both clicked in that way because we wanted more. So Yep. And I see that a lot of people even now in our mid twenties aren't really at that point. Not to like say anything bad about anyone, but um, it's more of like a work work to live mentality, not like a yeah. I want to develop my life to the fullest. Right. And transcend, you know, yeah. to my higher self kind of a deal. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like after high school is when we really started talking about all this kind of stuff. And I, in my personal life, dove into all this stuff. I've always been interested in weird stuff. So this was something that came naturally to me to start researching. Um, so like what weird stuff are you talking about? Um, I am really into all kinds of spiritual subjects such as uh, witchcraft, tarot, um, the occult, uh, magic, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It all sounds very mystical and magical when I say it out loud out of context. Yeah. But there's a lot of ancient... Uh, 
texts on these practices and even dreams and lucid dreaming and the astral realm. Um, I know we've had conversations about like Carl Jung and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of actual references we can use to look into this, uh, these existential questions. So I've always been very interested in that and interested in seeing how I can get the most out of this life using those esoteric tools that are provided to us. Yep. And I know you've always been into, since I can remember, we've done tarot readings together. Yeah. Which I know a lot of people on first glance are going to... Not in high school, but it was shortly out of high school that I got into it. Right. And people are going to, you know, bat an eye at it and all this, but it really is pretty cool. If anyone's ever done a tarot reading, you'd be open-minded about it. Yeah. Can I explain like what a tarot reading is for people who may just be coming from a more psychological perspective? Yes, please. So, I mean, I'm sure most people are going to have some visual or idea of what a tarot reading looks like. There's these cards with these pictures on it and someone lays them out and it tells something prophetic about you or something along those lines. And the way that I've learned that tarot cards really do operate and work are they are a tool to operate uh, uh, a communication between your intuition and your conscious living self. So kind of like the unconscious and the unconscious. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Carl Jung talked about your unconscious and the collective unconscious and Mm -hmm. The tarot is a tool of connecting with those things, the collective unconscious as well. And even some people believe uh, other spirits or guidance is coming from exterior consciousnesses and not just your own. Mm -hmm. Um, But either way, I say it's a very valid way of looking at it as a intuitive tool. And the way that I suggest this is provable to yourself is to do a tarot reading or to get a tarot reading done. And when you research the historical symbolism behind these cards, specifically from the Rider Waite deck, the symbolism often will apply too specifically to your situation from a good tarot reading or a good tarot reader um, than could possibly happen by chance. Yep. And when you do a tarot reading, you have multiple cards laid out and they're in different spots, so to speak, on your tarot spread. And each spot has a different meaning. And the com- combination of the meaning of the card and the meaning of the spot combine to mean something to you in that specific reading. So it's very specific. And as far as the scientist is concerned it's all by random chance so if we are operating that it's by random chance there is more of a chance that it will not apply to you than it will it's almost pretty much impossible that it will apply to you because it's such a small chance yep and then can i also throw in yes kind of the devil's advocate um everyone who does any kind of mystic stuff and they're not really attuned to it or ever it won't work and they also think that it isn't specific and it could be just broad like astrology could just be broadcast to everyone and it would make sense and i guess it could if you're not if you don't know a lot about it when the more you dig the more specific it gets mm -hmm. and the more applicable it gets i once uh heard someone say every book they've read uh about someone trying to disprove astrology turns into a book just about astrology because they try and write a book disproving it and they end up proving it to themselves. So 
there's so much more to it. Sun signs and the astrology in your magazines uh, or like the newspaper, those are not necessarily going to be accurate. But if you look into your entire Zodiac chart and look into each planet and actually Zodiac is a really good, they're intimately related, the Zodiac and the tarot, but your own personal birth chart is another really good example that it's created by random chance. But the deeper you dive into your specific planetary alignments and your specific birth chart, the more you realize that it is very specifically applicable to your life and your life only. And how could that possibly be so accurate? Mm -hmm. And then I want to throw another cog into this. Um, everyone always throws twins out like, oh, no, they're twins. They couldn't possibly, you know, it's very similar birth charts, but a lot of twins are very different. I actually am a twin. And we were born two minutes apart, and our charts make sense to our character. It's very, very eerie when you. You've looked it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, and I'd like to point out too, because you and your brother are both Aries, mm -hmm. and just since I've I've known you guys for a while, but also since I've been thinking about astrology and thinking about it of the people around me, I've just noticed how your Ariesness comes out in different ways. He gets all worked up about certain things, and he'll start cracking his jokes or go off on a rant. And you do the same thing, but it's also yeah. just in a completely different context usually. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I actually got pretty involved. And then if you guys still are kind of skeptical, um, you can look up, you know, Carl Jung was a pretty prominent uh, psychoanalyst who talked about this and he has a lot of books on it. And I know I bring him up a lot, but Jordan Peterson also uses these, um, these teachings, which doesn't really directly call them astrology because astrology in the scientific community is pretty much mocked at, um, but it did form chemistry and, um, Alchemy. So, Alchemy, yeah. So keep that in mind and be open-minded um, and go to someone who knows what they're doing. Don't go, don't buy your own deck, read it once and then be like, oh, this is garbage or go to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, no, like you said before, you will disprove it. If you are out to disprove something, you will disprove it to yourself. It's, yeah. it's actually way easier to do that than it is to prove it to yourself. But if you actually go into it saying, I truly don't know. And if this is real, I want to know it's real. Then you'll prove to you yourself that it's real because it is real. And it responds. It's like uh, in quantum physics, the whole... Uh, uh, you look at the, the slot yeah, experiment. Yeah, the slit experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're observing something, the outcome changes. Yep, the observer so, effect. Yeah. So if you are actively being a part of something, it's not going to have the same outcome. Yep. So that's pretty cool. And I recommend looking into it if you haven't. And then to get back. So she's into all this kind of stuff, which is awesome. And she's actually taught me a ton of stuff about this world of mysticism and spirituality. So how, like what happened after high school? Where'd you go? What, what happened? Um, so the first thing that happened that really proved quotes, quote unquote, proved <laughs> to me that all of this was real was I don't know what exactly set me off, but I remember talking to my boyfriend about uh, crystals and how I thought it was dumb. Like they're pretty rocks, but how could anybody think they'll heal you or anything like that? That's silly. Like they're just rocks mm -hmm. still. Um, so me being me, I Googled it. I researched it and I looked up people who did believe that crystals could help you and heal you and do certain things. And I listened to their arguments and I ended up convincing myself that that made a lot of sense because when you think about a rock, a rock is a physical thing that has atoms and those atoms are arranged in a certain structure that creates that rock that we see, just like these microphones and this table and the floors of this house. 
they're all created out of structures that are arranged a certain way that create all the specific things. So rocks that are just out in your rock garden are certain rocks that have a certain structure, but the structure isn't exactly perfect. It's just a regular dumb rock. Crystals have been formed in a certain way that makes that geometric structure of the atoms and of the cells of that rock very uh, geometrically perfect. Mm -hmm. They're very geometrical and straight and angular. That's why you get the cool rock formations with crystals. So those geometric formations of the atoms can conduct energy in a more efficient way. And we know that from computers. Computers all have quartz in them because quartz can conduct electricity highly efficiently. So this is a, a known phenomenon. And our energy is also a frequency. Our energy is also some form of electricity. Our brain waves, our, our heart functions with some form of uh, wave. And we can get into like auras and stuff that are, again, not as scientific, but I could still explain it in a way that makes sense from a logical perspective. Yeah, and I want to th throw that into um, Sarah's a very logical person. I'm extremely logical in my thinking as well. And, you know, if you actually look into it and think about things, they make sense and they do align with reality um, a lot of the time and it makes sense. So, And some people won't explain it in a way that makes sense and, though. And I think that's where the yeah. problem gets in. It can get really dumb sounding when... And there's also a lot of people out there who are just... Dumb. hacks too, yeah. you know, trying <laughs> yeah. to say this crystal is going to save your life if you put it on a bowl. Exactly. Bowl. <laughs> and if you don't truly know how to work with energy, a crystal is not going to do anything for right. you. It's just a tool to use. It would be like, uh, I don't know, trying to be a fire performer, a circus performer with fire and all this crazy stunts and stuff, but never having actually worked in that type of business just showing right. up and saying well i've seen people do it so i'm just gonna throw these sticks around and hope it works right. like you can't just pick up a crystal and be like well i i got the crystal now i'm i'm, I'm woke now yeah psa <laughs> don't go to a chiropractor who doesn't have a license either <laughs> that's that's a good point too but you know it's um that's what i think now that i've gotten more into everything spiritual and mystic um a lot of it does make sense and you can come at it from a rational view and it's pretty cool so um, what happened? It's been what, almost 10 years since high school. Yeah, I think so. I know we're getting old. Gosh. <laughs> so what happened after high school to get you where you are now? And then I want to talk about where you're going, where you are psychologically, how you're doing, what plans you have for life. Yeah, I, uh, I graduated high school and I went right into college. I went to just a local university near us and I started out going into computer science and computer science. Um, again, I'm a logical person. I like computers. I'm like doing podcast stuff. So I thought it made sense for me. And I started taking classes and I realized it was very much not for me. So I switched to finance can we, about... Can yeah. we talk about what yeah. happened in computer... Like what do you do in computer science classes for anyone who doesn't know or might be interested? Computer science is computer programming, essentially. Um, there's also computer engineering, which is a little more of like the physical engineering and stuff. Um, so hardware versus software is that? I, I don't. There's I don't. There's not a clear cut line like that. I okay. think that computer engineers do some amount of coding. Again, I didn't end up going into it, so I don't know a ton about it these days. I know enough to get me through a okay. lot of stuff, but I couldn't hold my own in like a technical conversation. But computer science was very heavily based in computer coding and computer programming. And in my experience, it was very heavily self-taught. So yeah, we had professors and stuff like that, but 
a lot of the professors would go through some slideshows and expect you to have questions and kind of expected you to figure this stuff out on your own and be passionate about it and read the book and actually do the effort into learning the knowledge, just ha- not, not, not to just have somebody teach you. Okay. Um, and I don't learn that way. I need someone to explain it to me. I need help understanding something. So a subject like this, I would have needed more guidance than I was getting at the university I was going to. Cool. And then also that's what you should get if you're paying all that money for university, oh, in my opinion. I agree. So. No, that's a whole different subject, <laughs> but that's not what I was getting. So I switched to finance because finance is a lot less heavy in math and technical stuff. Like I was taking calculus. Like it was a very technical uh, program to I'm, go into computer programming. I'm surprised that there's less math and finance and computer programming. No, I know you. a lot of people are, but honestly, it's just very basic math. I actually uh, hardly used my calculator except for addition, subtraction, multiplication in finance because you're just doing numbers or uh, mostly money, excuse me. Okay, so like arithmetic basic. Yeah, and most money stuff, unless it's like compound interest on a mortgage and even then it's just it's not that hard to calculate no it's really. not not that hard it just takes some extra steps but it was a lot less money based and it was something that I could more easily pick up and again I didn't get as much guidance as I liked but it was more guidance and I didn't need as much to okay. learn this subject so but neither one was something I wanted to really be doing right so that's my next question why did you go right from high school to university and why would you have eventually switched to finance like why finance Um, Well, I went right to college because I had uh, scholarships to this specific college and I had to use them right out of high school or I didn't get them. And it paid for a good majority in my college. So I am debt free and I... Congratulations. Thank you. I kind of had to do it though right out of high school. Otherwise, I would have waited and figured out what I wanted to do. Was there another push involved or was it just that you had that easy opportunity? My, my dad wanted me to. I think it was, it's just kind of, he expected me to get a degree and get a good job and, you know, the, the classic American dream situation where you graduate and get employed and make more money than your parents. I think that's kind of what he was thinking. And he meant well, but it just, I wasn't, prepared to answer what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I was still figuring that out. And I think at 18 years old too, just as a note, it's really early. I'm 26 now and I'm still figuring it out and that's okay. So I don't feel extremely pressured. You can change at any time. Yeah. I think that's really important to talk about. It's it's hard, you know, to jump right out of high school and then, and you think, you know, at 18 years old, you're really not developed mentally enough to be like sound, sound enough to make that decision really. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. And to pressure kids into that, especially such a financial commitment is just nuts. I can't tell you how many loans I was offered and Mm -hmm. just no, you don't even have to start paying until you graduate. Sally Mae coming after you. Oh my God. It was absolutely insane. Yep. Um, And that's, it's just the system, how it works. But I think it's so important here to note that you at least aimed at something. You didn't just sit on your ass or get like a minimum wage job and do nothing. You were had some kind of a goal you were working for. Yeah, no. And I had a retail job. It ended up being the job I'm still at to this day because okay. I ended up making decent money there um, for and I have enough flexibility there now. But I was working there part time all through college. So when I graduated and I didn't really want to go into finance, I had just stayed there while I was figuring out what I actually wanted to do, which Mm -hmm. I wish I would have done before college. But it is a good degree to have. And I did learn 
I did learn quite a bit in college, just not what I thought I was going to learn. Yeah. Not at actually anything I thought I was going to learn. So yeah. So what happened? I know you said you're still at your retail job, but you moved up, right? What's your position? I am a like supervisor slash trainer right now. Okay. So at least you moved up and yeah. say the same exact no, and Like position. I said, I make really good money for what I'm doing and I have a huge amount of flexibility to get stuff done in my free time and get time off to do stuff in my free time. So that is more important to me than making huge amounts of money right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I am able to save and get stuff done in my free time with where I'm working. So I think it's a, there's no harm or shame in what I'm doing or where I'm working right now, because even with my degree, I'm not worried about, being in some respectable adult job when I'm trying to build my business to begin with. Um, and I've thought about switching to a finance job because I have my degree and making a little more money than I am making now, but I wouldn't have that flexibility. And at the end of the day, I don't want to work for anybody anyway. I want to start my own business. I want to be a sovereign, free, uh, working individual. So if I just move from working for one person to another, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I would be going from one corporation to probably another corporation. So. Yeah. And that's big too. I think a lot of people, because of the school debt they go in, um, they are stuck in the job that they don't necessarily love or they thought they had to get into. Um, and they have all that debt, so they can't take the, the financial risks they want to and start businesses. And that's really what this country is all about is doing that. So it kind of sucks we're in a bad position. It's good that you don't have any debt, though, honestly. No, and that's huge. I am very thankful for that because that is huge with all the moves that I'm trying to make with my life, not having that credit weighing down on me. Mm -hmm. um, it's I'm very thankful for that. And I'm thankful for my degree. I'm just not using it right now in the ways that I thought I would. Yep, and I think that's going to happen with a lot of degrees. So yeah. you at least got your degree. I think there's something to be said for that. What did you do after and during that would have been some kind of a plan for more than just the job you didn't really necessarily want? Yeah, so I went through college, and again, I kind of realized it wasn't really my thing maybe halfway through or so, but um, I hadn't really done too much thinking about what I was going to do with my degree. I had actually picked up a hobby in college that I thought I was going to take to a uh, more career level at the time. I started hula hooping. Um, can, can we jump really fast? Yeah. Back? So you said, I just think it's funny because I talk to people every day. I've worked so many different jobs and every single job I've ever worked, it's been whatever, 16 year olds all the way up to 70 working with me. And whenever I'm asking the younger kids in school, what, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? They don't usually have an answer. And I think it's funny that people are going to school, you know, spending $25,000 a year and they don't have an answer for why they're doing it. And they genuinely don't. They don't know. Like it's, I don't know, it's just alarming to me that you went to school for finance. You got a four-year degree. It's four years of your life. Luckily, you didn't have any debt, but then you don't really know why you were doing it. I genuinely had convinced myself I was doing it because I wanted to make enough money to be happy in my spare time. Okay. I had literally just accepted that my job was always going to suck and it was always just going to make me enough money so I had fun in my spare time. Yeah. That's what my dad had done. That's what I saw so many other adults doing. And in my head, I was like, well, they have enough time in their spare time. Uh, I, I'll have enough time. But I didn't, as a kid, take into consideration you have to cook for yourself. You have to take care of yourself. You don't just stay healthy forever. You have to make appointments for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure your money is all secure and invested if you really do want to make as so much money. So we can say that you're, 
your um, vision on life wasn't really accurate with reality. No, for sure. Okay. And I just genuinely had convinced myself that I would get some easy job on a computer, like in the office or some shit and make mm-hmm. enough money to have fun and go on vacations. Yeah. That's, that's all I was looking for. Yeah. But my boyfriend at the time was very much in a different mindset and he's very stubborn. He dropped out of college after the first year and decided he wanted to get into farming and permaculture and do something that he thought made a difference. And I think that really helped shape my perspective as well. Cause that was during college. Yeah. I think you need that. At least somebody in your life that has that, that brave aspect of the character to try to go their own path to like fight upstream and yeah. not just go with the flow all the mm-hmm. time. Yep. No, so, that's huge. So after college or during you started at least hooping, you thought you were going to make something happen with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I started practicing hula hooping. And for those who don't know, um, it's not just like hula hooping around your waist, like a kid, it's kind of a circus art, a flow art. It's a uh, prop manipulation. There's a lot of really technical and complicated tricks you can do with a hula hoop. And, I really got into it on a like personal hobby level and I really, really loved it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to eventually like teach hula hooping or teach some classes. And I thought I was going to make something out of that, but it eventually was something that I realized is a very personal thing for me. And I do in my spare time still, but it didn't turn out to be the career thing I thought it was going to be. Okay. But I do want to know two things because I remember, um, I guess question, would that be the first time in your life that you at least saw something you were interested in that you thought you could make a, a, I don't know, a life out of a job out of? Yeah. I mean, well, when I was a kid, kid, I, I did things like make friendship bracelets and I remember like drawing on rocks and thinking, Oh, I could sell this. And it wasn't really economical for how long it would take me to do the, the bracelets and stuff no, like go that. On Etsy, they sell bracelets for like $150. Yeah. No, they're, <laughs> they're very expensive because mm-hmm. they take so long. Yeah. And it makes sense. I had thought about doing it, but I didn't really receive the encouragement in my life okay. on stuff like that. A lot of people um, don't, I would assume. No. And, and I kind of understand. I feel like our older, our parents generation wouldn't expect that to work. Like, Oh, yeah. you're just going to tie some string together and sell it on the internet. There's no way people will buy that. Right. And that makes sense. But I had kind of convinced myself of that. So hula hooping was the first thing that I was like, I can start out and be bad at this and practice and then be good at this mm-hmm. and then be good enough to actually do something with it. That's cool that you actually did that. Yeah. Though. And I, I really love Adventure Time. And there's a quote <laughs> from Adventure Time. Sucking at something is the first step to being sort of good at something. And I really embrace that. because That's true, I, The fool, right? The fool's yeah, journey. Yeah, exactly. You, and I, I have always been someone where I want to be good before I do something in front of anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who doesn't, you know? Even when we were in high school, we'd play Super Smash and I would never play with you guys because I was bad at it. And then my boyfriend got us a Wii and we started playing Super Smash and I practiced. And then when we came over here, I would actually play because I wasn't the worst anymore. I I was still not I great compared that. to you guys, but <laughs> um, no, I even with stupid stuff like that, I've just always been like that. So to actually practice hula hooping and then get good enough where people were like, wow, you're really good. And I could actually say, thanks. I know I wasn't ashamed of my skill level. That was something really eye opening to me. And it yeah. made me realize I don't have to be afraid to suck at something. Yeah. And then psychologically, too, you have to feel competent in whatever you're trying to do, sell, produce. You have to. It's a precondition to doing it. And, actually, and people can sense that shit. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get to the, So that's next. Really fast, I want to point out, she Sarah actually did a class, and she was doing videos on Instagram. She, had, she spent a lot of time on this and genuinely got her own class. So 
It's not like you just said, I want to do this and gave up easily, you know? No, yeah, I did. I have a, I had a class at a gym. No one really showed up, but I did get the class and I tried doing marketing for it. I had a couple students here and there, but it was never something very consistent. But I just realized it had drained me mm-hmm. and it was something that wasn't really providing me the satisfaction I thought it was. And I was actually not hula hooping a lot. I was like putting it off. And I, if no one showed up to my class, I would just leave early when mm-hmm. in the past I would hoop the whole hour. If no one showed up, I would still stay there the whole hour and wait and see if someone would show up. But it started draining me of my passion for it. And I realized it was because I was holding myself to a standard that was other people's viewpoint of me. And I liked hula hooping for how it made me feel, not okay. how for other, other, how other people saw me. And in order to be a performer or a teacher of the technical hula hooping, because I mean, not like your neighbor is going to be a hula hooper. It's going to be a very niche thing. So you have to be really, really good if you want to teach other hula hoopers. If you want to teach beginners, you're going to be teaching very beginner boring tricks. Mm -hmm. So there's that trade-off. I didn't mind teaching beginners, but I was pretty good. I wanted to teach other hula hoopers, but to teach other hula hoopers, you need a reputation and to have a reputation, you need to be really, really good. And to be really, really good, you need to be able to do that on camera. My head's spinning on this loop. (laughs) But do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So So it just created this loop that I was stuck in with hula hooping. And I realized I enjoy this way more when I don't film it. Okay. So that's what I remember you saying is it fizzled out because it wasn't really what you were aligned with doing and who you were. Exactly. Okay. But you did it and you learned. So it's important, again, to know you tried something, you gave it your heart and your soul, and you realized it wasn't for you, but you aimed at something. You weren't just sitting on the couch saying, I want to do this one day. You actually started doing it. So I admire that about you for because it's not the first time you've done something like that. Yeah, I tried. So what happened after hooping Where to, to get you where you are now? Like, where are you now in life? Um, After, well, I still hula hoop, but after the class, actually, I only stopped teaching the class because of the whole pandemic and it stopped because of that. And then I ended up just not going back to it. The the gym owner never even responded to me again. He just never restarted my class. And I had really done some soul searching during that time after my class ended and really came to the realization that... I needed to research more of this occult and spiritual concepts. And that's how I spent a lot of my time. Um, My boyfriend, again, is a permaculturist farmer. And together we have a end goal of having property and animals and having businesses set up involving farming and permaculture. But those are all mostly his things that I obviously want to help with as a partner with him. And will do well with helping him because I do have a business background to a sense with my business degree and I do understand marketing and social media Mm -hmm. to a degree. So I am a good asset for these businesses, but they are his views and his dreams. So I really wanted to find something for me. And I think think you need to find something. So I see this in relationships all the time um, where people just get absorbed by the relationship and they don't have their own goal individually. And that isn't healthy. Yeah, I just want everyone to know that is not healthy. Absolutely not. And I wanted to find my own thing that I could be working on alongside my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I eventually started my own podcast. So I have a Wake Not Woke podcast. I do it. Thank you. I do it (laughs) with my friend Chas. And we just talk about all these occults. We are, uh, I identify as an esoteric conspiratory... 
I identify <laughs> as an esoteric conspirituality realist. Oh my God. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that. Conspirituality? <laughs> no, the whole thing. Just the whole thing. Oh and, no, the whole thing. And conspirituality thing. too, I guess. Esoteric conspirituality realist. Please break that down for us. Uh, it's just someone who sees the world for truly what it is in the present moment. We are not just physical beings. We're not just brains and bodies. Uh, there is a lot more to our world. And esoteric means exactly that. Exoteric with an X would kind of mean like religion from a literal standpoint, a guy in the clouds. Like Christianity as we see it today is more of an exoteric religion. And then esoteric is that... Uh, transcendence of spirituality and that that higher understanding of the all in the universe and God as the one being of everything. Could you be esoteric and Christian out of curiosity? Absolutely. Okay. No, esoteric Christianity is absolutely a thing. Okay. But it, the closer you get to like true esoteric knowledge, the more blurred the lines get. Okay. So if you are an esoteric Christian, you're essentially someone who prefers the Bible and the Christian words and the Christian metaphors to describe your reality. Cool. And I think that's super amazing and valuable. But that person who is a true esoteric Christian would also rec recognize the value in esoteric Judaism and esoteric uh, uh, Muslims and esoteric Hinduism and stuff like that. And they would recognize that it's all the same thing, but they're just prefer to identify with esoteric Christianity. Okay. That's actually very interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So esoteric is, means that we are, uh, so we try to transcend our reality to seek the higher perspective and to seek the higher understanding. Um, conspirituality is the combination of conspiracy and spirituality. And okay. that is just kind of playing on the idea that some conspiracy theories that Chas and I have stumbled upon over the years have really opened our perspectives to how our world works on a more intimate viewpoint, such as like our government and how certain things are operating and affecting our daily lives. Um, we have just come to understand a lot of these things more intimately, and we wanted to tie those into spirituality. So a lot of the podcasts that Chas and I are both interested in always say, conspiracy always leads to spirituality and vice versa. Yep. Yeah, no, spirituality leads to conspiracy and conspiracy leads to spirituality. It's vice versa because in the conspiracy world, you know, like, Illuminati, globalist, Alex define, Jones. We define conspiracy. Yeah, conspiracy. Um, I mean, allegedly, it's just a term made by the CIA to discredit mm -hmm. those who try and make the best guess at what is happening behind closed doors is essentially... Uh, what a conspiracy theorist is doing is just taking their best guess using context clues at stuff that people aren't telling us or things that people are conspiring about. Okay. So conspiring is essentially planning to do something without telling people that will change an outcome or change something in a grand scheme. So like okay. Watergate was a conspiracy mm -hmm. and you can conspire against your company to uh, like launder money and stuff like that. So can, that's what conspiracy literally means. But when we're talking about conspiracy theories and conspirituality, we're essentially talking about the conspiracies that 
relate to us in a way that affects our well-being and our ability to be truly awake. Because there are conspiracies out there that involve people who want to control us and who know we are spiritual beings and want to keep that information from us. So, so could you just throw out some really quick resources? If someone was interested in all of this, where you could go to get more information on anything spiritual, yeah. tarot, anything like that that you know of. I mean, listen to Awake Not Woke podcast. <laughs> okay, good one. I didn't even think one. of that. Yeah, Awake Not Woke podcast is my podcast. We talk about all these things. Um, I would also recommend just uh, as far as spirituality, I would recommend doing research into Carl Jung, uh, Gnosticism, Hermeticism. The Tree of Life, right? Kabbalah. Yeah, Kabbalah. There's a lot of different uh, esoteric and, and ancient texts that you can be reading. I would recommend kind of being wary of some new stuff. There's a lot of newer books that are more shallow in nature and Just more marketing. Books. Yeah. Okay. More like pretty Sad. and yeah. Yep. Like crystals on the cover and stuff. But there are a lot of good older books out there that really talk about these divine principles. I know, uh, the Kybalion by the three initiates is a really good one that talks about the hermetic, the seven hermetic principles and alchemy. Um, there is also, uh, like Manly P hall is a really good author. Uh, he, actually is more recent in the grand scheme of things, but he just talks about uh, Gnosticism, which is like the true knowledge of understanding is like Gnosis is truth. Um, There's just a lot of actual ancient knowledge on this subject. And I just recommend you go back instead of finding stuff that's more recent. Okay. Good advice. Yeah. And then realist, we're just talking about stuff that's real and we want you to be focused on your reality. So we are esoteric and spirituality realist because we want to transcend our reality, yet we need to stay realistic and logical at the same time. So that cool. divine balance. Yep. And I just want to note too, Sarah has not gone off the deep end in any bad way. Like what she talks about on her podcast is applicable, reasonable, rational. Um, it's very interesting. So I just want to throw it out there. I know that's that's a mouthful of a title. It is. <laughs> Someone's listening to me like, what the heck? But it really is good information. And some of the things I can share and stuff on Instagram can seem a little out there. And I, I do have a very dry sense of humor. So sometimes things might not translate always on social media. And if you don't get it, then I, it doesn't really matter to me because I think it's funny. <laughs> um, but I am very logical and I want to truly understand things. And I am open to admitting when I'm wrong. But... I won't just admit I'm wrong unless I understand why I'm wrong. So I'm very stubborn in that aspect, but I promise that when I say something, I don't say it without doing the research. Mm -hmm. We are still pretty early in our podcast. So I find myself often saying, this is a very generic episode. We're, we're having some very umbrella basic episodes at first because I've done so much research and I have so much knowledge that I can't possibly memorize every name, date, and place and specific information like that. So a lot of our podcast episodes are very general and may require you to do research on your own to fully understand it from that logical sure. perspective. But as we go on in the podcast and we cover these subjects from a general perspective, we're going to start narrowing it down. So we will be able to do more research on one specific topic and talk for a long time about something specific instead of talking a little bit about a bunch of stuff. Just dropping the seed. Yeah, exactly. So how do you feel right now? Because I know you have the podcast going and you actually have plans for what you and your boyfriend want to do collectively. And 
again, another note is that they both have their individual plans, but they also work together. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm not telling relationship or couples to go out and find totally different life plans. I think you should just both have one that works together. But it's and you got to talk about it. Sure, apps communication, people. Please communication. Um, so, how do you feel right now about your life? Because I know when you don't know what you're doing, probably when you're in school and you're doing finance, it's like a weight crushing over your head that you're lost and you have to do something, or you're just I don't know going to mm-hmm. fade away. Yeah, right now I'm at this place where it's it's really exciting because I do have a lot to look forward to and there's a lot of synchronicities falling into place with everything in my life. Um, Can but, we talk about synchronicity? Sure, yeah. Just do you want to just break that down before just for I move forward? Yeah. yeah, a synchronicity is a event that happens that seems like a coincidence um, but has greater meaning. So that can be either... You just meet the right person at the right time and they're able to get you a new job or you are thinking about something that bothers you and you see 11-11 on the clock and it snaps you out of it or you get held up in traffic and there's a car accident you would have been in had you not gotten held up in traffic. These are all examples of what a synchronicity could be, but it can take on any form. So when I started the podcast, things just started happening I got certain followers. People really liked the name. So I'm just getting a lot of interaction really early on because it's just the right place, right time. Did, so Did that happen when you were in school and you thought finance was the right choice for you? No. Okay. No, actually a lot of things happened that just made me hate it even more. Okay. <laughs> and that's, like hula hooping came along and made me want to not go to school. So That's awesome that it worked how it should have. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no. There was no. There was no coincidence. Do you believe in coincidence, by the way? No, not you, at all. How do you think that the unconscious connects to um, synchronicities? Um, I mean, I believe in the collective unconscious, like Carl Jung talks about. I believe there's a lot of different ways of explaining the collective unconscious, so that's just one way of calling it. Uh, but I believe that this collective unconscious is also a part of this divine energy that makes up everything. I really truly believe that there is one spirit substance that makes up everything you see everywhere. What do you call and, it? Uh, what? The, Prim- the primordial, primordial soup. soup. <laughs> yeah. I like to call, I like that example because it is primordial. It is the only original thing and it is something that simultaneously makes up everything while also individualizing itself. So we are all the same substance, yet you and I are definitely different Mm -hmm. because we are spoonfuls of the primordial soup. And this table is small, but it is a spoonful of the primordial soup. We have big spoonfuls because we're full-functioning human beings. Maybe a squirrel has... More than the table, but less than us still. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like how so, you're measuring primordial soup. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's 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 relevant. And then you can have a whole conversation about reincarnation using this metaphor because you can talk about some people believe this the spoonful of soup comes out of the soup, goes into you, and then it goes back into the soup, and then it comes out a new spoonful of soup. So maybe there's bits of you in the, in the new spoonful of soup but it's not fully you. And some people believe that's why reincarnation is in past life regression is possible because Mm -hmm. there may be bits of your past life in a new spoonful of soup. And then there's people who believe your spoonful is removed from the soup and then it goes into you and then you die and then your spoonful leaves you and goes into a new person. And it's still the same spoonful. Yeah. 
So the, that is a really good uh, way of explaining reincarnation, in my opinion, and the different beliefs that people have behind that. Well, if you guys want information on a story, there was this kid that was born. I think he was like three or four, but um, he went. He was some kind of fighter pilot in the war. If you look up reincarnation fight, fighter pilot kid, you'll find it. But he knew the names of the people he was flying with. He knew where the planes went down. All this information he would have no access to. And he didn't, you know, they've looked into it. Like he wasn't watching a TV show the night before or something. He knew all the stuff. He knew his own name from a different life. It was very cool. So if you want just like a story that. There's a lot of stuff like that yeah. out there. So I definitely believe there's something there, but I haven't quite developed a personal opinion either way on okay. which one it is. That's fair. I don't think it really matters though, because I do believe there is a soup <laughs> and I believe whether or not the spoonful goes back in or it stays out it doesn't really matter to me um, but I do believe it's there and I believe that it makes up everything so it's something that can be manipulated by, by us and I I don't think coincidences could exist because it's all the same thing it's all going to be operating it's like the butterfly effect uh a butterfly's wings on one side of the country could cause a hurricane on the other. I don't think that's technically true, but that's essentially what a good metaphor for what we're saying here. It's all interconnected. Yeah, your thoughts on this side of the world can trigger some thought on the other side of the world. And okay. quantum physics, again, has kind of proved this, where they can affect uh, when two particles come into contact with each other, they can do something to one particle, and the other particle res will respond as if they're still in contact with each other, even when they're not. So yep. it's all very logical and provable when mm -hmm. you actually start making these connections. And I, I'm just good at making these connections. And that's why I wanted to make a podcast because I want to help people can make these connections mm -hmm. for themselves because it's not easy all the time. No. Can I jump in again? Yeah. So um, really fast. Science doesn't like to talk about the stuff or acknowledge it or say it's scientific or anything. I get that. They're not there. But if you look back. I don't know, 80 years ago or maybe more than that, they didn't know what x-rays were and they had no way to measure them or see them or know they're even present. So now we know what those are. We know they're around us at all times. Um, so it's kind of like you have, you know, our five senses can only detect so much, but as our technology catches up, we're learning that these things are scientific, are provable. We have brain scans now that can see trauma on the brain. That's amazing. If you would have said that 80 years ago, you would have been called crazy or a hack. Um, so and it's it's silly to call anybody crazy or hack because of this exact phenomenon. Mm -hmm. We thought atoms were the smallest particle, and then right. we found electrons. So it's it's just silly to even consider anything off the table anymore. Yep. And I I mean I know we we're not going to go too far in the world of conspiracy. Check out my podcast for that. But there's a reason why we don't have these conversations in the scientific community anymore, and it's because it's easy to manipulate people who don't know these things. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole conversation to be had about that that we have on my podcast, but it is a dangerous and a controversial one to have at times. Yep. So you can talk about a lot of spirituality and self-help and psychology without going there, but once you make the connection, it's always going to be there, mm -hmm. and it's hard to have a conversation without at least thinking about those aspects when you've made those connections. Yep, and then psychology too. Now we have the biopsychosocial uh, approach to healthcare. And that looks at spirituality. It looks at how the body is connected to the mind. So we're getting there. And they're looking at holistic things like acupuncture and chiropractic and um, yoga, meditation, all this stuff that, again, a couple of years ago would have been hack. But so you just had to keep an open mind because things that we're talking about now could be the future of, you know, that's coming out. And just look at Albert Einstein, theory of relativity. No, that was insane. Um, it didn't exist. There's no way. And now it's basic stuff we teach 14-year-olds in physics class. So 
Yeah, for sure. So just keep your mind open. You know, I I don't want to stray anyone too far off onto the deep end, but I kind I also, of want to plant the seed. That's all. Yeah. And I also think that it's really valuable to keep an open mind for anything. One of my favorite hobbies is to just go along with what anyone says, regardless if I agree or not. Welcome to the psych ward. Yeah. And (laughs) I bet. And I just go along and like, I listen to them and I continue. You're not actually, I don't know if you told me this or not, but aren't you not supposed to engage with a schizophrenic person's like hallucinations? You're you're not supposed to encourage them. Right. right? So if it goes too far, you can try to correct it, but sometimes it's okay because you want you know, they're experiencing what they're experiencing. And to not validate that seems kind of cruel. It's it just how you go about it and you have to use your um, right your discretion. So, But not from such a serious aspect. I If somebody says something I don't agree with, I don't just say, I don't agree with that. I, tr- I say, okay, why? Let's talk about that. And why do you believe that? Can you explain it to me? Do you have resources? Is there something I could look up to mm-hmm. understand that? I admire that about you. That's how conversation should be an actual conversation. You yeah. Know, it's just people arguing with each other anymore and not learning anything. And you'll find your, your mind changes all the time when you do that because mm-hmm. people actually do have reasons for what they believe if they're actually thinking for themselves. Yep. And that's why I love podcasting so much is because the people making podcasts do think for themselves. They think enough for themselves. They want to talk about it. So there's a lot of podcasts out there of people who are genuinely just like, hey, look, this has worked for me or I figured this out or have you considered this? And it really opens your mindset to very different perspectives. So I just think this whole conversation in this format is so valuable and it's really exciting that people are interested in hearing these perspectives because it means we're truly making a difference. Yeah, this is a huge way to talk. It's so important. What we had before the news channels and there was no actual conversations. It's a pre-programmed opinion that we need to spew and make. They they decide who comes on. They Mm -hmm. decide what you see. They decide what you don't see. Right, which we do too as podcasters, but... It's different. We actually want to But you can go and find whatever you want to find. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be, if you don't like one podcast, you can find another. Before this, it was just what they decided uh-huh. to put out. And if they didn't like something, they wouldn't put it out. Right. All right. So um, as psychologically accurate as you can get compared to where you were, I guess doing finance more or less loss now to where you actually see that you can do something you want to do and make a life out of it. How do you feel? Um, are there any doubts still? Um, I mean, I feel like there is always going to be the moments that I think, why am I even doing this? This is too much work. This is why this is going to take forever. Uh, I always have some moments like that. Mm-hmm. It's really important to acknowledge that exists. Yeah. That. And like imposter syndrome, it, it's, mm-hmm. it still happens no matter how much I logically no I am no different than anybody else who succeeded I am just as able to be successful as anybody else um there is still that slight doubt every once in a while um but I'm so much happier being able to see a future on the horizon and that I'm working toward even though I'm very busy in the present moment and I have a lot to do to get there I'm happy with how busy I am because I know I'm, I'm working to something and I'm building up something okay. instead of just doing something for someone else with no end in sight. Yep. I, I think that's so important to acknowledge. Do you actually schedule your days out now? Not as of yet. Okay. Um, as of right now, I'm pretty much just doing as much as I can in my spare time as I can. 
I plan out my days as far as I plan with Chas when we're going to record and stuff like that. But I don't have a schedule as far as making social media posts or anything beyond just scheduling when we're recording episodes. Okay. Um, but I am working towards that. It's just simply I, I have an erratic work schedule, so mm-hmm. it makes it more difficult to actually schedule out a full day of work. Um, um, how many hours are you doing the podcast a week? All Everything included. I, I honestly don't know. It, we take a couple hours to record each week. Some weeks we do, do two episodes. So I have uh, some buffer room in case Chas or I have uh, no time to record one week. Um, so it's a couple hours a week of recording, a couple hours of editing. And then I'm, oh, I'm doing uh, social media posts that I'm making and also writing up any of the uh, show notes and stuff like that. Re- researching it all? Uh, some research, not so much as of right now because it's a lot of stuff that I can talk about easily for an hour without doing research. Okay. I am writing out like outlines and, and writing out what I'd like to say. But, but you've but also been reading about this stuff for how yeah, many years? So. For many years. So I have a lot of source information that I can work from before I have to actually do the research for an episode, mm-hmm. um, which is why I keep doing 101 and umbrella episodes where I'm just talking broadly about subjects because I've already done the research. I just haven't memorized all the research. Okay. So uh, a lot of it's pretty general at first, but I'm probably spending a good... I don't know, maybe 10 hours a week. Oh, it's actually less than I thought it would 10 be. 10 to 12 maybe. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, like I said, I'm only doing one episode a week and we may be recording more than one a week, but I'm I'm not in, I have a few weeks out of content before I run out of content. So I don't mm-hmm. have to edit right away that week. So I'm able to space it out and uh, I'm not posting as heavily on social media as I would be if this were my like monetary income. But you'd prefer it to be right eventually. Oh, but I would definitely prefer it to be. And I'm working towards that. But as of right now, it's just building up a reputation and getting Mm -hmm. people to know who I am and know my content and find value in it. So I'm not worried about uh, being as strictly consistent as I would be if it was my monetary income. So why, just out of curiosity, what would make you treat it as if it was your end all be all income source? Um, I don't think I will treat it ever as my end all be but all. To be serious enough about it to make it, you know. Well, I, so I am. I am okay. serious about it right now that I am eventually going to turn it into a source of income. But as a entrepreneur, I think it's important to diversify your 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 income flow. Finance advice yes. from the finance student. Well, seriously though, it's because true. if you are starting a business, especially with e-commerce, and it's a niche business, and your niche falls out of popularity, then you might need something else to fall back on. So I'm going to have my boyfriend's businesses. We're going to have in-person farm businesses at farmer's markets and selling to restaurants and things like that. And then we're also going to have my e-commerce content with this podcast and eventually selling other random things online. Um, So it's going to be a very diversified income flow. So it's not that I'm not treating this as my most serious income or business or source of income or anything. I'm treating it as seriously as I can right now, but it's not going to make me money until people actually trust me and know me and believe me. So that's my main, main, uh, goal right now is for people to get to know me and I don't have to treat it like a business to have people get to know me and turning it into a monetary income source is as simple as providing the people who know me and like me 
something to buy. And whether that's premium content or actual merch or whatever, or classes, whatever. It's just they need something to provide me money from. Or it's just donations. Uh, A podcast I really like called No Agenda does the value for value model where you provide time, talent, or treasure in the amount uh, that makes sense to you. So if they're worth five bucks a month, you send them five bucks a month. If they're worth you making a cool song out of samples you got from the podcast, that's what they're worth to you. If they're worth you sending a uh, boots, they call it boots on the ground report, where you send them information they might be interested in. You take the time to type that out. That might be what they're worth to you. And that's how they do their monetary structure. Okay, so that's cool. It's just a, a matter of getting my name out there and getting people to know who I am. And then I have to provide them a source uh, to help me stay afloat. So <laughs> that's funny. How are, how are you staying motivated enough to keep going? Cause I think that, no, I know that that's where people stop. They do three, four weeks of something hard and they burn themselves out. They don't see any results from it and they stop. So there has to be some kind of reward system. What's going on to keep you going? Um, I think, I think, I mean, the synchronicities have been a huge fuel. The reward of the universe. Seriously though, <laughs> they, I, I am putting a lot of effort in and I'm getting rewarded. So my first thought would be if you're not getting rewarded after heavy effort, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 weeks in, if you're not seeing any kind of wheels Benefits. start to turn, mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the thing that you need to do. Maybe it is and you're not putting in enough effort, but you need to stop and analyze if nothing's happening after four or five weeks. Cause mm-hmm. I'm only six weeks into the podcast and yeah. I'm seeing some serious wheels. Turning. Yeah. You've actually told me some stuff. It's pretty impressive how it's going. And the so more I look into social media marketing and businesses online, it should get some wheels turning in mm-hmm. a few weeks. If you're using the correct business strategies, learning those strategies is a different hurdle in itself, but learning them is very possible and probable even if you've never been to business school. So just trying, maybe your first business launch on social media fails and you have to choose a new brand or relaunch it, but you got to keep putting in the effort. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if nothing is happening, that is a good sign that something is wrong. It's not that you put in three three weeks of super hard effort and then literally no one has ever seen your Instagram before. That's Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen if you're actually putting in effort. Yep. And then you're probably not getting rewarded in the ways you thought you would be initially. That too. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I'm not expecting monetary income from this as of right now because I want people to genuinely like my content. And, and you're also not doing it for really for the money, but you, if you can do it and make money, why wouldn't you? This is, I do want this to be in the category of career path. It's not just a hobby like hula hooping is for me, but I also want this to be something that is genuine and true and honest coming from me. That's huge. Yeah. People see right through that. Oh my gosh. Yes. And when I did hula hooping and I was posting on Instagram and I had a hula hooping brand, Mm -hmm. I had probably 3000 followers at one point and I had almost zero content interactions. I had hardly any, I got decent views and likes, but I didn't get comments. I didn't get story replies. I didn't get DMs. What was the missing link then? Me being genuine. Okay. Me being genuine with my hula hoop happens off camera. I mm-hmm. can't do it on camera. But when it comes to talking like this, I can do this on mic because it's already going to happen whether there's a mic in front of me or not. I'm mm-hmm. just a good talker. Some people are good at performing on camera and doing their best on camera. I'm just not. Okay. Especially when it comes to technical stuff like hula hooping. Yeah. So this is something that I can 
be genuine in this format. And I only have 200 something followers on Instagram and I already have almost too many DMs to keep up with Mm -hmm. and I only have 200 followers. So just that fact alone is a huge reaction for my effort being it's a it's an outcome to my input you Mm -hmm. know and I am really seeing that happen with this podcast versus I didn't see it happen with college with the hula hooping with a lot of my other ventures in life so you're saying be genuine and then if the universe starts throwing some hints your way that it's going well then hold on to it yes that's awesome advice and it could also throw hints your way that are like this is not it or maybe it throws hints your way that no this is it not that yeah can i jump in yeah so that's what socrates says if anybody knows he had a daemon that told him what not to do he didn't know what told he didn't know what to do and it's kind of like a gut feeling right Yes. So it's cool that synchronicities are the opposite of the gut feeling because people look for that. What to do? Guidance, you know? Absolutely. So learn how to pay attention to what's around you and what's happening and the opportunities are in your way and the little non-coincidental moments that feel coincidental. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome advice, actually. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's uh, really important, especially just keep paying attention to your present moment because you can miss these signs really easily. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place. If you see... 11, 11 in like 15 different places in two minutes. That's not a coincidence. That's like statistically really difficult to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the universe like sending you like red flags all over the place, trying to wake you up to something. Mm-hmm. And what that something is, is up to you to figure out. But yep. staying present and being aware of all the things around you and all the energies around you that are affecting you is how we become able to intercept these signals. Yep. And that's what your podcast and spirituality is really all about too. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lot of what it's about because we're all on this journey together and it's a matter of choosing to keep going down the road of enlightenment and not putting up your tent on the side of the road and chilling wherever you got on that road. You want to go as far as you can. So the people who want to come with me are the people who are listening to my podcast. Chas and I are already going on this journey. And whether or not you come with us is not our problem, but we want you to come with us. That's mm-hmm. why we're reaching out our hand by making not this podcast. Not up to you, maybe. What? Not up to you. But it's not a problem, but it's not up to you. Yeah, no, it's not up to me. Right. If you don't want to, that's not that's not an issue. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You do what you need to do in this lifetime, and that's great. But the people who are ready to go on this journey, we're ready to take you with us. And that's why we made a podcast. Not everyone's going to be able to make a podcast in this lifetime on this path. So our podcast is the one they're able to listen to on their own personal journey because this is part of my journey. So I might as well provide that gift to others. So um, I'm going to ask you a question. What then, I guess we've already talked about what the quote unquote American dream looks like for other people and the pressure life puts on you. What is your American dream? Like, what is it that you want at the end of your life as of right now? Or at least your life to look like, maybe not the end of it, but how, how do you want it to look? I want a big plot of land and a nice little house with cozy curtains and bookshelves and lots of animals and... Uh, if I'm financially stable and sovereign and able to maintain my standard of living, maybe children one day, but that's only if I'm able to maintain my standard of living within my ability to bear children. (laughs) Okay. So how does that differ from you just getting a finance degree, being able to pay for all of that? What's different about this American dream? This is me being fully immersed in this, this 
life. Okay. What do you mean by fully immersed? Uh, someone, me, the alternate version of me who went into finance and got a finance job and moved up and worked 60 hours a week or whatever, just able to pay for a lot of land and some animals and stuff like that. I would still be tending to my job for most of the week and coming home with barely enough energy left to enjoy my house. I'd be paying for it, but I'd probably also be paying for someone to take care of my animals. I'd probably also Mm -hmm. be paying for someone to mow the lawn and to help with other things around the house because I don't have time to do them. I have the money to do it, but I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. This version of my life is me tending to the animals. It's me being at home most of the time. It's me pulling out the vegetables. It's me making the meals. It's me doing all of the things and that is my job can you please make a t-shirt that says pulling out the vegetables i'm pulling out the vegetables yeah (laughs) absolutely that's so funny but seriously though that's that's like a full immersion into my present moment and actually being present in in living and thriving in every Mm -hmm. single moment of my life whereas now and most people go to work zone out and do their job and kind of half do it the bare minimum too. the bare minimum and then they come home and maybe they can have that beer and live that last few hours before they go to bed yep can i also throw in something if you guys have a job you don't love which a lot of us do at the moment please put your whole heart into it you're never going to move up in the way you want to in life if you're not doing that in any any area of your life you should be fully present in every facet of your life even the boring moments so and it might not be the job you want right now but if you're doing it and you're spending your time doing it you have to respect yourself enough to go in and give it your best because that's the best way you're going to move up in anywhere you go yeah absolutely i just i've worked with people my entire life and i've always outperformed them and i'm not doing that to show off or saying that in, in like a condescending way but just like i go there and i actually try and i like being there and if i hated it so much where i couldn't give effort then you shouldn't be there because you're doing yourself a disservice and and the place you're working for, but more importantly, yourself. Absolutely. But you also have to remember that these people still need to make a living and they aren't willing to put their effort into their normal lives. And people, so. you know, people don't think they can sometimes, but I don't want to give too much credit to that idea because we're adults and if you can think half critically about something, then you should be able to do something you want to do. And if you hate life that much, then you've got to switch paths. Yeah. Absolutely. So I agree with that. I just am tired of seeing people, every job I've ever worked, even the psych hospital, you'd think people that work any psychiatric hospital would want to be there and do a good job. And there's some people that come in and they're just half-assing. It's like, God, I can't, I don't want to be that miserable ever. That is almost impressive that they're half-assing at a psych hospital. It's possible because other people pick up for the slack. Yeah. You could just be present at any job, you know, yeah. not literally present, but I know physically, you, you know, yeah. like not your mentally. body's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. So Cool. I just really enjoyed this conversation. This is what I wanted this podcast to be all about. Just talking to people, figuring out what they're doing, you know, why they're doing what they're doing psychologically, how it's affected them. You seem a lot happier, a lot more present at mind and just a lot more calm and, you know, not anxiety. Um, I just remember we used to hang out all the time and we literally get high as high as we possibly could and then go eat junk food and just, I don't know, I was so anxious back then. Yeah. Because um, there was no direction. We were just yeah. kind of doing stuff to just mindlessly do stuff. Yeah, and if you're drifting through life, I'm going to throw that in here. Obviously, the name of the podcast. But if you are drifting, that's how you're going to feel. And that's a really, you know, it's not, it's harder to feel that way than just to go and do something you actually want to do. I really mean that. Maybe not in the physical moment, no, but really in sure. the physical moment. Yeah, it's more difficult to let your life just fade away mm-hmm. than to... And your consciousness be fully aware of it. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, it is hard to work long hours and to keep up that that energy to 
stay up late, get up early, get shit done. That's yeah. not easy. Create anything. But it's going to be easier to deal with the physical and mental exhaustion of working really, really hard now mm-hmm. than it is to deal with the grief and the regret that you're going to yeah. deal with later and in life. The hard times are going to come whether you're happy or unhappy. And if they come and you're unhappy, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to get through them. Oh, hell yeah. So just want to throw that out there. So that's if, great. You know, don't be miserable. Try things. You're not going to hit the first target you're aiming at. And maybe you will. I doubt it, though. There's like a 0% chance, you know. Uh-huh. So keep aiming. I think it's good that you're aiming different things. I've done a thousand different things, but every day my picture isn't perfectly clear, but I'm getting there. And the cloud is starting to lift. that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know I wanted to do this podcast. I had like played around with it, but I, mm-hmm. I definitely dabbled in different things before I really settled on this. So and then... I just have one more question. So I know we're almost done, but how the heck did you figure out this is what you're going to do? And how did you start? What was that mental break you had to bust through? I well, Chas, my co-host and I had been doing lots and lots of research on these occult subjects for all of 2020. So uh, I've been interested in this stuff for a really long time. But just that last year was the year I really dove into studying it. And it became a point where I had so much knowledge in my head and I had nowhere to put it. I thought about writing it, but it took too long. She came over to my house for three hours a day and we'd talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> mo- a lot. We would, and Chas and I would just talk all the time and I only had like you and her and I didn't have very many other people to talk mm-hmm. about it with. So I wanted to create something I could put all this thoughts that I had. Mm-hmm. And I love listening to podcasts because it's something I can do while I'm doing something else and multitask and feel like I'm still getting stuff done while I'm doing something I enjoy and enjoying content I like listening to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought I would make my own. And I already had interest in high school in like uh, video production and audio production. So I already had a vague knowledge on how to run computers and audio equipment. So it was just a matter of doing the research to figure out what mics I wanted to get, what equipment I wanted to get, and figuring that out. And that was pretty much the biggest hurdle. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. I know you're going to be successful, um, and I want to go and pet your animals one day on your farm. Oh, it will happen. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, This is Sarah and Andrew. This is the Drift Proof Podcast. You guys have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Are we supposed to say bye?